not mature. I'm immature. Is that enough? And they said, whatever, and I got the job. <laughs> and so with that being said, I do feel like there's two words that come to my mind. Are we going to try to make this transition? I don't think so. Let's just go with it. All right. Um, this will be the last time I come. So there are two words that I want to express to this congregation. Number one is I want to say thank you. Because the reality is when I took over in 2005, I really didn't know what I was doing. And uh, it was overwhelming, but you embraced me. You encouraged me. We grew together. There were obstacles that we faced together. But through it all, we tried to give glory to Jesus. And because of that, I say thank you. The second statement I want to say is I'm sorry. I really am sorry uh, because I, again, uh, I just didn't do it right. I didn't do it bad. I'm not going to be hard on myself. But, you know, one of the things that I made a mistake of, and uh, I really am saying this for the benefit of the staff here, but my biggest failure when I came here and was a senior pastor is I tried to be everything to everyone. And I burned out. And uh, I have now come to this place of realizing probably one of the most convicting passages of Scripture for me is Galatians 1.10 that says, If you live for the pleasure of men, you are not a bondservant of Christ Jesus. And so sadly, it took me a long time to realize I didn't serve you well. And the reason why I didn't serve you well is because I didn't take care of myself. And so Casey, staff, uh, one of the most important things that I can say to you is take care of your soul first because if you take care of your soul first and you take care of your garden, the fruit will come. Jesus promised that. I tried to do it the opposite direction, and I, I, I burned out. And so thank you so much, and I'm sorry, but isn't God good and isn't his grace magnificent that here we are still together, and you got to put up with me today. All right? Sense of humor. Thank you. Praise the Lord. It is a joy to be here. Uh, just, I, I don't want to take up any time with introduction, but uh, we are doing well. We're in Cape Girardeau. My oldest is with me, 17-year-old Abby. Raise her hand. She's shy. She doesn't, she doesn't like to be seen in public with me. Go figure. But uh, anyway, uh, we have a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 10-year-old. And so they keep us busy. Uh, and so we're always running. And that's why the rest of the family isn't here because they had other plans uh, this weekend. Uh, but today I am a hospice chaplain, and uh, I love it. I love being able to be with people in their darkest hours to remind them of the truth, and that is the best is yet to come. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says our bodies are falling apart. We're fading away, but he is renewing us day by day. And I get the privilege to look them in the eyes and say, you're about to be made new again. The old is gone, as Jesus says in Revelation 21.5. And so it is a joy to be here. And so if you have your Bibles or your smartphone, I have to say that now. All right. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And one of the things I've realized is this. When Casey comes across a hard passage of Scripture, you'll have a guest preacher that week. That wasn't a joke. Matthew chapter 5, I just want to read the text, and here's what we're going to do, and I really am going to need somebody 
uh, preferably in the front row, not the back row, but somebody's going to have to kind of wave me off. Uh, I know a couple people in the back row that will be waving me off in about two minutes. So uh, anyway, uh, I really want to be beneficial of the time that we have together. But uh, Matthew chapter 5, 11 and 12, and I'm, I'm going to tell you up front, this is a very intense passage of scripture. But I wanted to stay true to the series that you guys are doing, 450 series. And when Casey told me that that was the series, I kind of looked down at myself and thought, that's not me. Uh, and, then he, and then he quickly said, we're talking about the Bible. And I said, okay, we can do that because uh, I don't have a core. I haven't had a core for 10 years. But uh, that's as good as my jokes get. Never mind. So here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. We're at the tail end of the Beatitudes. And Jesus said these words. Jesus. Jesus said these words. That's really important that we understand this. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Good morning. That's our text. And we're going to do honor to the Lord. And my prayer is that we walk out of here with a confident understanding of what is required of us. Because I want to be perfectly clear with you, friends. Jesus never shortchanged us, and he did not deceive us. Jesus did say in Matthew 16, you follow me, you will have troubles. You follow me, you will have troubles. But don't you worry about that, because I have overcome the world. And so you and I have a responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ to lean into that. And so we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to back into Matthew chapter 5, 11 through 12. And so I'm, I'm hoping this works. This is not what I did in first service. But as I prayed in between, I thought, let's back into this and see if we can't do a little bit of more justice to Matthew 5, 11 and 12. So with, with that in mind, turn over with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to camp out there for a few moments, okay? So, uh, so I want to give you a context. Context is huge so we understand the text that we're talking about. So we have this guy by the name of Saul who eventually becomes known as Paul. So instead of trying to do the Saul-Paul, we're going to talk about Paul, all right? And so Paul, uh, when he was Saul, was not a Christian. In fact, Paul had it out. That his ambition and his job was to stop the spread of Christianity. This Jesus that claimed to be, to be the Messiah wasn't the right one. This, this band of people that called themselves Christians, th this is not good. And so Paul was bound and determined to put a stop to this madness. Okay? And so he was present when Stephen was martyred for his faith in Acts 6 and 7. And what's interesting is as soon as Stephen was killed and Paul saw the joy, the, the, the passion that the religious leaders had, it says that Paul was zealous to go to Damascus to stop the spread of Christianity. And so on his way to Damascus, with the burning fire in him to wipe out Christianity and to stop this madness, he had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus Christ. That's important to understand. The resurrected Jesus Christ. Because Paul knew that Jesus was crucified on a cross, placed in a tomb, and then supposedly he rose from the dead. But when you're on a road and you come face to face with the resurrected Jesus, there are no doubts anymore. Now Paul has to still make a decision, but we all know that Paul made the right decision. And immediately Paul uh, was blind and Ananias came, prayed over him, 
And Paul's eyes were open. And in that moment, Paul was on fire and sold out to share the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere he went. And he did. Now, Acts is a little bit deceiving when you read the story of Paul because we read about his conversion in Acts 9. And then immediately, we almost kind of think that he's on a mission field. But if you read Galatians 1 and you put it in chronological order, what we need to understand about Paul is that he was immediately ushered into Arabia, into a desert. And in Galatians 1, Paul shares this. And, and, and what Paul is simply saying is it was almost three years that he spent time in Arabia. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I, I read Galatians and I think about Paul in Arabia, I'm like, I would love to know what life was like for Paul in Arabia. But you know what Paul would say? What happens in Arabia stays in Arabia. We have no idea what happened to Paul in his encounter with Jesus in Arabia. But we can be sure of one thing because scriptures testify to this. He was full of himself when he went into Arabia. And he was empty of himself and full of Jesus when he came out of Arabia. There was something amazing that happened to Paul in Arabia. And what it was is that he fell madly in love with Jesus. In fact, I like to think of Paul that when Paul came out of Arabia, Paul was already consumed with crossing the finish line and being in God's presence. But God said, not yet. I have a plan for you. Let me say that one more time. When Paul came out of Arabia, friends, I think he was already ready to go home because he just was so consumed with the presence of God. He was so filled and overwhelmed with the presence of Jesus. He was just simply going, I want that. And God said, not yet. But I want you to live that out here on earth for my glory. And so Paul said, all right. I think Paul is simply thinking to himself, the sooner I get myself killed, the quicker I get to eternity. And he lived that way. Friends, do you realize every time Paul went into a different town to show the gospel that he was beaten, stoned, arrested, imprisoned? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 through 27 gives us a quick picture of all the things that Paul endured for the glory of Jesus. Why? Why would Paul do that? Because Jesus was everything to him. When you're passionate about something, you sell yourself out to that passion. And Paul was sold out and passionate about Jesus that he bled. He physically bled for Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, before your very eyes, that's the way I want to live. I want to live that way. But you know what I have a tendency to do sometimes? have a tendency to play it safe. Because sometimes if I can be vulnerable with you, my comfort sometimes is more important than God's glory. Can I be honest with you about that? Sometimes my comfort is more important than God's glory. And I have to say to you with integrity, that is not following Jesus. That's not following Jesus. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you can't serve two masters. I can't serve him and serve this world. So, so here we got Paul who, who lived this way, 
came face to face with the resurrected Jesus Christ and began to live this way. And he poured himself out for God's glory. Philippians chapter 1. I want to show you how this has played out. And then we're going to back into Matthew and we'll call it good. But in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, look at these words. He says, now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. You know, when you read text, read it slowly. Allow yourself into that moment. And I have to simply go, wait a minute. First of all, where's he writing this from? You know where he's at? He's in prison. Here's the tone that I want you to hear Paul is expressing. Brothers and sisters, I am so thankful for my circumstances because my circumstances has allowed me the opportunity to advance the gospel. And we read it and go, you idiot, you're in prison. What's wrong with you? Are you off your rocker? Oh, no, 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 no. He's madly sold out and passionate about Jesus. You can't stop him. And so he's in prison. And he's thankful because while he's in prison, he's sharing the gospel. Look at verse 13. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, or other translations say the praetorian guards, and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because why? Because I'm in Christ. Every time Paul was beaten, every time Paul was stoned, every time Paul was left out in the middle of nowhere, every time Paul was in prison, it was because of Jesus. I probably would get to the point going, Jesus, enough is enough. I'm doing this for you, buddy. Can't you, like, lighten up? But Jesus said, Matthew 16, if you follow me, you'll have trouble. When I made Jesus the Lord of my life, I signed up for trouble. Make sense? And here's why. Let me tell you why we're signed up for trouble. Because 1 John 5, 19 says that the world lies in the lap of the evil one. You see, there's two kingdoms that are fighting for us. There's the godly kingdom and there is the evil kingdom. The world belongs in the lap of the evil one. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy, according to John 10.10. And so every time that you and I get closer to Jesus, closer to Jesus, closer to Jesus, we become a serious threat to the evil one. And I can assure you, friends, he's coming after you. I get to do FCA on the SEMO campus with football players. These guys make me look like a little peanut. And I love sitting there and reminding them of this truth. Hey, if you carry a football, what's going to happen? You're going to get tackled. If you follow Jesus, you're going to get tackled. And I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to cut through the stuff right now. If you don't want to get tackled, don't carry the football. You want to play it safe? You want to be comfortable? That's fine. You get to make that decision. Don't follow Jesus. Plain and simple. But understand, if you follow Jesus, you know what's coming. That's why Peter says, I, I feel like Peter's, I, one of the problems that I have is I still get surprised, I still get moved by the surprise factor. 
Like I'm moving in the right direction, then bam, I get hit, and all of a sudden I'm surprised. And all of a sudden I hear Apostle Peter going, why are you surprised? Why are you surprised? Because he said, do not be surprised at the ordeals that you encounter. And constantly I hear Peter going, why are you surprised? And I'm like working on trying to get over the surprise factor. Because it's coming. I signed up for it. But here's, here's, here's Paul in prison, so madly in love with Jesus. You can beat my body, but you're not going to take away my loyalty to my Savior. You're just not going to do that. So here he is, and he says, I'm thankful for my circumstances. It has allowed me to advance the gospel. And so here's the picture I want you to understand. The imperial guards, the praetorian guards, these are not just your regular police officers. These men are hand-selected, specially trained individuals. Like, they are, in my opinion, just to put it in translation, they are the best of the best. And so, according to different scholars, these men are chained up to Paul. And they said that they, they, they would change shifts every four to six hours. So in a day period, Paul probably was chained to at least four of these gentlemen throughout the day. I like to have a little fun when I read scripture. So here's the little fun. Here's Paul in prison, chained to one of them. They come in with a bad attitude like, ugh. Paul says, how you doing today? Big old smile on his face. And they look at him, they say, why are you chipper? Paul says, oh, let me tell you about my Jesus. Six hours. Six hours. So after that guard's done, he's out. The new guard comes in. He's just as bitter as the first guy. And Paul's even happier than he was the first time around. Ah! Paul's like, ah. Let me tell you about Jesus. 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 In prison, chained to a guard. Philippians chapter 4, verse 22 and 23 says this. I'll start in verse 21. Paul's finishing up the letter now. Paul says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings, verse 22. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. I don't know if you've ever caught that. I caught that a couple years ago, and I about fell out of my chair. So let me give you, let, give me some grace. Let me give you a possibility of how this plays out. Paul's in prison, chained to not just regular guards, we're talking special, specially trained guards who might even possibly have been put there by Caesar himself. They're chained to Paul. Paul shares the gospel because that's what Paul is all about. Because God's glory is more important than Paul's comfort. By the time we get to the end of the letter, Paul says goodbye and all my brothers and sisters in Caesar's household also send greetings. What do that mean? Well, let me play this out for you. The imperial guards were Paul, chained to Paul. They heard the gospel. They believed the gospel. They embraced the gospel, and they shared the gospel. And the gospel began to spread in Caesar's household. Why? All because Paul said, can't take away anything in my relationship with Jesus. You can kill me. You can kill me. It's not going to change my relationship with Jesus. And I'm sitting here thinking about this, and I'm asking myself the question, is that where I'm at in my relationship with Jesus? 
And because I love you and I care about you, I'm asking you this morning, is that where you're at in your relationship with Jesus? Are you in that place with Jesus? Because the desire is that each and every one of us would be in an intimate relationship with Jesus so much so that nothing, nothing, even death itself, will not shake us. Oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Jesus says, oh, don't be afraid, for I have overcome the world. Where are you at, Dan? Let's go back to Matthew 5, and we'll finish up. Matthew chapter 5. You are blessed. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice. Who do you think of now when you hear be glad and rejoice? I think of Paul. And in fact, I would encourage you, if you want to get really a little bit deeper in, in this area of your life, you need to hang out with some missionaries who travel to other parts of the world and suffer greatly for the glory of Jesus Christ. You will find yourself up against some of the hottest spots on the face of the earth. At an iron Judson, C.T. Studd, William Carey, Jim Elliott, men and women who said, no, I'm going, and I'm proclaiming Jesus, and it, nothing's going to stop me. Persecution may come or it may not. You and I came to church this morning with absolute freedom, did we not? We got in our cars, we got here, we walked in freely, not a care in the world. What's going to happen when persecution comes? And my prayer for me and my prayer for you is that regardless, we're still getting together as a body of believers. And we're encouraging each other and we're standing for the cause of the glory of Jesus Christ. Comes down to this. Are we living for the glory of God or are we living for the comfort of ourselves? You can't do both. Cannot do both. The cross of Jesus Christ was not enough. Do we fall short of the glory of God? I do every day. But I also stand under his amazing grace that sustains me each and every day, and so do you, because Jesus is madly in love with you, and there is absolutely nothing that separates you from his love. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come before you, and I'm praying boldly. That you would stir, that your spirit, that your spirit, Lord, would stir the hearts of each and every one of us in here this morning. That we would rise up. And it all starts by how we make decisions today. It all starts about falling more in love with you. We love you because you first loved us. We love you because you knew that there was absolutely nothing that we could do within ourselves to save us. And you gave us your son, Jesus Christ. And it is his blood that has redeemed us. It is his suffering. 
And Lord, we pray together the prayer of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Lord, that we would fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before you, Jesus, you endured the cross, you scorned the shame, and you are seated at the right hand of the Father. And I pray, Lord, that we would consider you who was handed over by sinners like me. That you rose, and today, because of Hebrews 4, it says that I can approach your throne with confidence to receive your grace in my time of need. Lord, I want to give you glory, and I do confess that at times, my comfort becomes my priority. And for that, Lord, I ask for forgiveness. I want you to be lifted high in my life. You are so worthy of my life. And if my death is needed in order for you to be glorified, so be it. Paul was stuck in a crossroad because he knew it was important for him to stay here, but he wanted to go home. And it is good for us to be here, Lord. And I pray that we as believers would be unified that we set junk to the side, that we be unified in the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, and that together as a vast army, we would go out into this world and help people who are deceived by the enemy, that we would help remove the veil from their faces so that they would see the truth, and we know that the truth will set them free. You have set me free, Lord. You have set us free. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.